This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by RetroGameTreasure.com. It is one of the best monthly subscription services you'll find out there. It starts as low as $29.99 and sends anywhere from three to five retro video games from your console of choice. From the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, Sega Master System, Sega Genesis, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, and the Game Gear, as well as... Breaking news, now shipping Sega CD, Sega Dreamcast, and PlayStation 1. And here at the Happy Hour, we love retro games, but what we love even more than retro games is saving saving money. money. So go ahead and put in the coupon code at checkout, Happy Hour. Get $2 off your total purchase. Go see them, and don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with with Johnny and Deuce Deuce sent you. Internets. My name is Johnny Womack. Of course, I have my main man, Deuce. What's going on, man? Hey, man. Of course, we are the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Uh, and every single episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce starts off with the Deuce salute. Yes, sir. Ah, good, good times. Good times. And uh, we are a twice-weekly podcast dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. And, of course, we'd love to have friends with us on the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. And we have the amazing... Author and playwright Vincent Scarcella. That's right, you got it. Welcome to the Happy Hour with Johnny well, and Deuce. Thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be here. Yeah. So let's do. A, let's look, pull back the curtain with you, Will. Uh, how, how did you and I kind of get get this started? Well, I live in a community, uh, literally a minute from here. I could have walked, but I'm a little old for that, so I drove. It took me two minutes to get here, and uh, we met. I took a walk down to the Welcome Center and. Yeah. Uh, had uh, learned that you had this show going on and said uh hey man i'm trying to sell books you yeah know? so here i am trying to sell books yeah because i I've, I've been working at providence uh, about nine years now okay. so i've been there a long time and i have people come up all the time talking to me you know just, just want to chat and stuff and you came up and i don't know how the subject came across but i was like hey you know i have a podcast and uh, we love to have people on and to promote you know we love local art and you know, and and uh, authors and just just cosplayers, all kinds of people that come in and kind of promote their stuff, especially. Well, I, local I had a stuff. neighbor. I had a neighbor who mentioned that, and uh, Wayne. I don't know if you know Wayne. Yeah, I know Wayne. British yeah, guy. he's yeah, a great he's guy. A neighbor yeah. on Grantham. Yeah, and he had mentioned it, and uh, you know, I waited, you know, three months to walk up there. Yeah, and uh, and there here we are. Yeah, so Wayne's a really great guy. Yeah, uh, let's give him a big shout out. Even though uh, he's a Brit, we'll yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, a really great guy, and uh, he's a. He's actually come in for like the past year, just coming in. He would just come in and like bring me like treats from like the UK. Be like, hey, uh, I've got all this candy and chocolate. Do you want any of it? I'm like, well, I've got kids. Well, the thing he loves most is mushy peas. So I don't oh, okay. Which I never had. You learn new every actually, day. Actually, my, my son played professional hockey, believe it or not, in Manchester, UK. Oh, wow. And so we went, uh, my wife and I went there in December uh, last year and visited him and uh and now he's going back, but he's going to go to Scotland next year to Dundee, which is way the heck up there. Um, not to be so confused with Dundee, Florida. Florida. <laughs> no, not, not Dundee, uh, Central yeah. Florida. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. But like, that, the, one of the other reasons I wanted to bring you over was to, you know, we wanted to have a platform for you to be able because podcast 
it, for those you know that just joined us, uh, I mean, a podcast is essentially a radio show, but it's on the internet. It's free. Right. Uh, we're not regulated by FCC, so you can say anything. There's no, you know, yeah. say whatever you want. We're not. We don't have like you know Big Brother on our backs, so to speak. So it's kind of a way for Deuce and I. We Deuce and I have known yeah. each other for seven, 18 years. Yeah. So we we know each other a uh, long time, and uh, we kind of were like, hey, let's uh. We like to hang out and chat, and you know, drink beers and and play video games and watch movies. Well, we might as well talk about it. Well, it's a you know, it's a great venue then for an indie author like me because yeah. it's difficult. I'm not Stephen King, I'm not J.K. Rowling, and trying to sell books, uh, which is takes half up half my life basically. Mm-hmm. Marketing is difficult. So any chance I get to get on the air, get out there on the internet, sure. is going to obviously help you know sales and, and you know. A, a writer writes for himself a lot sure. to express whatever is in his head, but the other aspect is it's no good, it's no fun unless people are reading it. Yeah. So op- this is a great opportunity for me to, to get out there and have my reading public, as sure. limited as it is, mm-hmm. uh, have a chance to hear what I have to say and maybe how I came to you know formulate some of the books I have and what's coming down the pike, because there are some things coming down the pike. But... Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough process. Writing is a is a tough career choice. For every Stephen King, there's you know ten million right. you know indie authors like sure. me who are struggling to to make it. Just right. like in any profession, sure. really, you know. So it's getting the opportunity and having one book take off and maybe having a Hollywood producer see it. There you sure, go. yeah. And yeah. say, man, that would make a good movie. And Definitely. then suddenly you're famous. You know, so, so before we get into like your actual works, let's kind of go into your background real quick, your history. Like, uh, wh- wh- where are you from? Okay, originally from uh, way up north, Buffalo, New York. It's a great city. Uh, so all my Buffalo friends who are there right now, they're having some great weather, so they're all happy. Uh, <laughs> getting into that summer mode, which sure. lasts between July 4th and uh, September and Labor Day, <laughs> but yeah. but they they're a great. It's a great town, and uh, but when you get a little older, you know the snow gets harder to take. You know, so I retired from the working for the state of New York as an attorney for many years in December of 2010. We got a lot of snow. Florida uh, real estate prices were getting low, yeah. and came down here and ended up here. But uh, we still go up there. We have family up there, so we're we're traveling up to Buffalo quite a bit, uh, and uh, and here we are. Well, what brought you down to Florida? Just the, you said the housing uh, market? We, we had, you know, we took the kids down here every two years. How old are uh, your kids? Uh, I have a, a son who's, uh, I'm going to remember this now, 35, mm-hmm. a daughter who's 31, and a hockey player son who's 26. Awesome. And uh, I have six grandkids. And Congratulations. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're fun. So we just had uh, my daughter's uh, kids aged uh, two, one, and nine months. Here recently, and uh, took them all around to Disney, and uh, awesome. You know. So yeah, that was that was tiresome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a long day. Yeah, <laughs> tiresome for Grandpa, but we, you know, at the end of the night, you're giving them back. So that's, that's awesome. That's a good part about being Granddad. But um, yeah, so I have uh, the, the kids are up there, still living in the Buffalo area, and um, obviously they come here to visit because uh, we have we're in paradise. You know, yeah, so oh, absolutely. Time. Disney's your backyard, <laughs> you know. So, and uh, yeah, that's awesome, and like. Very rarely do you meet people that are actually from Florida. Like Deuce is actually a native yeah, of Florida. Oh my Raised God, you're here. a real yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've never even seen snow. So when you're talking about how bad snow is, I'm like, well, I've got I got no clue. I lived <laughs> through in uh, December 2001, right after Christmas, 84 inches of snow. Wow. Oh that my was goodness. Snow Buffalo has yeah. they, you know, they're on the uh, eastern edge of Lake Erie, mm-hmm. so you get the cold Arctic air blows over the warm or the the warm lake right and sucks yeah. up that moisture and dumps it in the form of snow 
and you get all kinds of disastrous. Oh, I remember. I remember calls. watching all those uh, Buffalo Bills games, man. Like when it's oh, just yeah. like that snow. Well, don't bring up the oh, Bills. Yeah. <laughs> we actually we were talking before. Oh, we were got you? Because yeah. I was saying how you know the Ryan brothers now are both up there because yeah. you being a New Orleans fan, yeah. you know one of the Ryan brothers was working over there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fired, um, uh, Buffalo likes to hire a lot of fired coaches. They do. <laughs> it's like they're collecting them up there, like they're they, trading cards. They haven't or had something. a good coach since Marv Levy, but yeah. what, what can you oh, say? You know. I mean, I watched the 30 for 30, the, you know. Oh, those uh, are great series. Four Falls of Buffalo. Yes, and, I've seen uh, that. just I'm cried actually. the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I lived through those four years of four Super Bowl losses. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a glorious time, too. So, yeah. uh, well, a lot uh, of teams don't even get the chance to even play in Super Bowl. So, it's yeah. kind of, you know. But Buffalo is a much maligned city, undeservedly, because it is a, is a great town. And, sure. Uh, it's got a lot of good going for it. Uh, so, it's uh, hopefully people will travel there. But. People are coming to Orlando, let's face it. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people will come from all over the world. And actually, that's what's so funny is, like, I'm from Louisiana originally, and my wife is from Nebraska. So it's like you very rarely meet people like Deuce that are actually from the state. Yeah, born and raised. Yep. Yeah, yeah so. and, and it's funny, too, because you'll talk to people that are from Florida, and they, they know everything. They're like, this is when you're supposed to go to Disney. This is when you don't want to do this. This is yeah. when the snowbirds come down. Like, they know everything, like all the backdoor, like, secrets and stuff in yeah. Florida and whatnot. So it's like, you know, I always, like, ask Deuce. I'm like, hey, so what, what, do, you, what do you think about this time? What do you think about this? Uh, so it's really interesting. But my question to you is, like, how, have you been riding your whole life? Or is that something? Basically, yes. When okay. I, from uh, being a little kid, I remember writing, having weird ideas, and I'd write them. And, and I was big into science fiction. Uh, early on, and I liked the the old timers like uh, Theodore Sturgeon and uh, Arthur Clarke, and uh, Jack Vance is a great guy. I like and and th- those type of writers back in the fifties and the sixty golden age. Sure. And um, so you know, I I started writing science fiction. Uh, my novels though are crime fiction novels, and really, you know, a lot of the science fiction authors wrote uh, very. They were very good crime writers. The guy Eric Brown wrote great. Uh, crime fiction as well as great science fiction so it, it the you know because it's it's kind of plot driven yeah um uh and and you know you have to have good characters no matter what sure. if you don't have good characters in your story you're going to have a right. story yeah but plot is so central to science fiction and, and crime fiction that they kind of go together so but that's what i got into i was a kid writing uh then i you know i went to law school became a lawyer went you know did the uh i, I stayed in government service it was a jag corps Officer in the U.S. Navy. Oh, awesome! Um, for four years down in Key West, it was one of the best uh, job I ever had. I was about to but say that, that sounds nice. Job. <laughs> Getting to be yeah. the JAG Corps Key West. I was the uh, uh, legal officer for the uh, uh, commander of the, the Naval Air Station in wow. Boca Chica, which is right next to Key West. I had a great two years there, and uh, <laughs> then I came back and worked as a prosecutor for about five years, and then for eighteen years. I um, worked uh, prosecuting other lawyers in the Western New York area. I was a, a disciplinary counsel. And in fact, the novel Lawyers Gone Bad uh, is based upon some of my experiences as a disciplinary lawyer, uh, you know, handling ethical violations and professional misconduct by lawyers. And of course, I've embellished it and sure, changed, yeah, yeah. Yeah. changed the name of the guilty yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and wrote a novel about that, my experiences. and. Um, uh, and in fact, uh, my publisher is—I've got another novel coming out. It's becoming sort of a series, it w- and it, it dwells upon the head of the uh, agency that handles it and his sidekick, uh, chief investigator. So it's like a lawyer's gone bad novel. The, lo- the novel's lawyer's gone bad, and uh, 
So yeah, it's an embellishment of that, but it's got some a kernel of truth to it. Got a very good review out of the Buffalo News. It actually sure. reviewed it, yeah. which is a pretty good newspaper, and uh, so I'm happy about that. So another book's coming out this summer uh, called Personal Injuries: A Lawyer Gone Bad Novel. Okay. And it's about a you know these law firms that are on a billboard, injured, Morgan and Morgan, yeah. Uh, yeah, that type of thing, and and how they've gone a little bad. And where can people find your books? Amazon uh, is the primary place. You know, it's it's the primary place for just about everyone. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they're both in uh, print and Kindle. Uh, That's nice. You give people but, you the know, option. Ki- Kindles, yeah. you know, you can, if you buy a Kindle book, you can, any e-reader. You can sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And, in fact, the BookBub um, site is a, uh, a site that's going to be featuring one of my first novels, my first novel, I should say, The Anonymous Man, uh, BookBub sends emails um, to worldwide distribution uh, for discounted uh, e-books. And uh, the, anim- the Anonymous Man is going to start June 5th on that. Um, and that's a, a, a book about uh, a guy who fakes his death oh. and becomes anonymous because of that. And, of course, is betrayed by his wife and oh, his wow. best friend. Oh, my wow. goodness. <laughs> and, uh, and it goes on from there. Well, it's interesting too because a lot, a lot of you talked about lawyers gone bad, and I think a lot of great writers take things from their personal histories, and they are able to kind of like because they know a lot about it. Like, you, for example, you said something about, um, you know, being from Buffalo and and being able to employ, you know, some of the Buffalo stuff that you know that you know best because you you're, you know, one of the best, like some of the best writers in the world. What they love to do is like they, they like to take characters in their lives, especially if it's a fiction, and they kind of like adapt it off someone they know and then they, they kind of change the name or whatever uh, or give them the name if they want to kind of keep it you know as an uh, homage so to speak but uh, that's that's what's so great is because like y- you look at like um, uh, John Grisham I mean the, the dude you know he's yeah. been writing for years and like he he wrote from his own personal experiences and I think yeah. that's it makes everything when you do that it may there's a sense of uh, 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 truth there there's validity like there's believability even in a, a, not a fiction book like there's something in there that you kind of Read between the lines. Well, like there, there's an old, there's some sayings that you know you learn as a writer, like never write about something you don't know about. So you wanna you wanna have a setting. Like a lot of these books, uh, to my friends in Buffalo, are basically all set in the Buffalo, New York area. Part partly they they go on, and I'm using more and more uh, sites around the Orlando and Central Florida area as well in my my writings. But uh, yeah, so you write what you know about because it's gonna have. What you're trying to do as a writer is to have people suspend their disbelief. Sure. You want yeah. them to get immersed in the story sure. and, and believe that it really happened. So the only way you could do that is know something about what you're writing. And, and that's why, you know, they, everybody says, oh, I want to write that book. Well, first of all, you got to know how to write. But second of all, there's a lot of research that goes into writing. Sure. I mean, I'm yeah. constantly I'm writing a, a, a book now that I'm doing all kinds of research. Thank God for the Internet because oh, it yeah. really – I used to do this back in the 90s, um, trips to the library, finding books, you know, yep. and then reading through books, and most of the book was irrelevant to what I was looking for. Now you go to the Internet, 10 seconds you yep. have, you, you know, yep. you don't use Google, mm-hmm. 10 seconds you have your stuff, and it's all there. Wikipedia is a great resource. It is. I mean, tell my, I teach at Polk State business law course. I tell them, use Wikipedia for a lot of the stuff. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty accurate. You yeah. Know? So, uh, so that's what you know. Writing is really all about. It's it's telling, giving people the sense that it really happened, and uh, and you can only do that if you're writing about something you know about. Yeah, and then it gives us a sense of credibility too, because you're like, hey, I, I could see this happening. Especially, I, I don't know about other readers, but for me, when I read a book, 
and I'm really captivated by it. Like like you said, you get immersed, you get lost in it, and hours go by, and you're like, because I see the whole everything. You know, everyone kind of interprets books differently, but when I read a book, I literally see it in my mind's eye happening, and I'm like, I'm visualizing the characters and the story, and I hear music. Oh, it's it's crazy. I get I get really uh, in depth with it. Well, I get asked all the time, like, where do you get your ideas? How did you get the idea for that? Well, like, Unanimous Man. For then that was your first book. Let's this let's was, preface uh, there. Uh, uh, May 2013, it came out. It was originally published by a small uh, royalty publisher called Ignos, A-I-G-N-O-S. Mm-hmm. Uh, great guy. He's in Hawaii, believe it or not, and I hooked up with him. And the royalty publisher is something that they do all the work. They'll yeah. do the printing. They'll help. They'll sign you an editor. Actually, this book was a lot longer, and the editor I was assigned chopped things down and made it much better. And um, but so, and then you share profits with them. You sure, they, they yeah. put it online. They they go through Amazon, sure. usually or Barnes and Noble, whatever, and you share profits with them. But um, so I went with them, and um, and you know had had pretty good success. But then eventually. We had a falling out, and uh, I went with a new publishing company uh, run by a Canadian guy, Mike Wills, who's a great guy, and his company's uh, digital um, science fiction, it was, and I convinced him to have a digital crime fiction and uh, spawn something like that. And so he did that, and he republished it, because the original one, the cover's totally different. Yeah. Oh, Uh, you have both the original? Oh, awesome. Oh, cool. The Anonymous Man and the original, and then he he came up with this, uh, this different cover. And so I'm working with him, although he's had some difficulties with Amazon lately. And Amazon can be troubling to work with. You can't like you you step on a crack and they'll they'll get you. You know. Right. So, right. So, but he's a great guy and he's he's really been helpful and he's actually got Amazon uh, or, or got the anonymous man uh, to be part of this BookBub deal. Nice. And BookBub, if you're on there, it really generates a lot of sales. Now, now, how do they find BookBub? Is it BookBub.com? Yes, bookbub.com, and it has millions of subscribers worldwide, and what they do is you get an email, like I'm subscribed to them, it's free, Right. and you get emails every day from them, this is the latest bookbub deal, and I look at it, and and, and it's authors, indie guys like me, too, guys like Grisham, okay, and what they do is uh, have a discount of their, uh, their, their Kindle book. Right, you know, and, and their ebook. People are out there buying it, and there's millions of. It, they're hitting millions of people. So right. If you only get a small percentage of that, you're going to make good sales. Right. Right. And your anonymous man actually goes on sale, guys, this Sunday on BookBub. So you're going to want right. to go check that out so you can get a copy of it because it it looks like it's a, a phenomenal book. Yeah, well, it's intriguing to me because like it, it, when I when I get into when I get into writing when I you know I write a little bit but nothing you know I just kind of write ideas down. Don't really write novels, but so I'll sit down and I'll be thinking about different things going on, or I get inspired, you know, by seeing a movie or, you know, or just watching a television program. And it's interesting because everyone, like when I grew up, like there wasn't a computer, right? There wasn't really. The, you had the Tandy, whatever you could get one of those from Radio Shack. I grew Shack. up there were typewriters. And well, that was yeah. my well, the reason. Three why stations right. on TV that you had to get up to turn at station. Well, that's why I wanted to bring it up because not. Not every writer uh, has trans, you know, uh, has uh, you know, converted over to computers. So, like, so when you were typing, do you still type uh, no, on I, a typewriter? I do everything on Word. Pro- I, I have Word. Oh, okay. So, so you do, you have converted over to a computer? Oh, yes. Long, many many years ago. I mean, I don't understand how anybody. I don't understand how Ernest Hemingway wrote books that they typed and then had a 
you know, have a perfect copy right. and, and went through it. I guess I hired people to do it, but I mean, I, I'm just going through now the um, book two of, I have a young adult fantasy called Escape from the Psy Academy. It's uh, in the Psy War, Wars series published by a royalty publisher mm-hmm. called IFWG Publishing out of Australia. And he wants me to do a series, probably three books. It'll probably be a trilogy. And uh, so, I'm what's the premise of uh, that this? That one is uh, I, I touted as uh, America's answer to Harry Potter. Oh, it's about a group okay. of young teens, thirteen-year-olds, who have um, kind of innate psychic powers. You know, uh, telepathy. Um, you know, mind. Uh, they can bend telekinesis, things like that. A yeah. whole bunch of things, and they get recruited to be part of a underground military uh, base called the Psy Academy where they're going to enhance their psychic power so they can join this war because there's other countries have done it, other factions, and there's evil Psy warriors and good Psy warriors. Right. The whole good versus evil aspect. And these sure. kids, um, the heroes of the story, get recruited. Uh, their parents let them go to the Psy Academy, and the story goes from there and it's it the first is a kind of the foundation where we find out what the Psy Academy is and sure. how they get trained and yeah. uh, there's a battle going on and all that kind of stuff. Well but that's the one I wanted to ask you the most about because yeah. when I was reading because you were nice enough to send us over your biography like I saw the Psy War series and I'm like oh okay you're doing a young adult novel which as a writer, is it tougher to write a young adult novel than an adult novel? Actually you almost write it. I mean it's it's the type of book where Anybody could read it, and yeah. it's just like Harry Potter. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not a huge J.K. Rowling fan, by the way, but yeah. um, you know, I, I read the books, and there, it's really no different than reading an adult novel. Right. You get immersed sure. in the characters. You get right. to identify with them. Uh, my main character in this one's a kid in a wheelchair. Yeah. So the whole first part of the book is about bullying. He takes care of the oh, bullying, wow. by the way. Okay. And um, you know, so yeah, I it's it, it really isn't. I mean, you have to you have to. Maybe not dumb it down. I don't want to say that because kids are pretty smart nowadays. No. But yeah. you have to you have to tone it down a little bit. Yeah. But you're really if you do that, you're in. Da- I I write it and let the let my publisher's editor yeah. tell me you know that's too sophisticated or whatever. Yeah. Right. But you know, I'm in I'm in at the end of editing um, book two. Yeah. Which they told me to cut down by fifteen thousand words. So I'm. Oh no. <laughs> uh, which sounds more daunting than it is, but. Yeah. And they were right in a lot of ways about what I put in. I put too much background stuff in because, you know, you have to assume that people, you know, people read the first book. Correct. But so that book's coming. That book's in process right now. And in fact, before I came here, I was looking at another chapter and going through it. But um, so that should be out in July. And uh, I, I lost track of the question. <laughs> so no, that's fine. <laughs> but no, that's awesome. And the other thing too is like because I was thinking about the Cyborg Wars book because you know with, with young adult novels, but anything like that where it's like a speculative fiction or sci-fi book, the first book is very world building heavy because yep. you got to explain. Okay, exactly. this is the world mm-hmm. we live in. These are the rules. Exactly. And this is the mythos. Yeah. yeah, exactly. One on one world yep. building. Yeah, I had a. I had to uh, define the the bad guys and yeah. the good guys, and the whole books. I've thrown in a, a sort of the the main character's kind of a, a he's kind of a pip. He's a thirteen year old, kind of small. Yeah. I, I I thought of the kid. I don't know if you saw the original um, um, Bad News Bears. Yeah. With yeah. Mathow was yeah. The, yeah. which I liked better than the the remake. And there was the shortstop, the blonde haired shortstop. Oh, who was yeah. a real yeah. pimp. Yeah. That's yeah. the that's the main character and it's told from his perspective. 
Okay. It's a first person. Oh, narrative. interesting. Okay. So he and his buddy becomes is the kid in the wheelchair who's this like superstar yeah. psychic kid, and they become friends, and and it develops from there. So the story's told from the perspective of the blonde-haired shortstop of well, that's cool. <laughs> you know, that's bad really news bears. Cool. So and it goes from there. They, they take care of the bully, and then they get recruited to go to this Psy Academy, which is in an old underground military base in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Oh, wow. And and I did research for that. Talking about doing research. Yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, I had no idea. But you do research, and there are abandoned underground military bases. You can oh, get, I'm you sure. You can get pictures. They'll show you photographs of what they look like. And so I said, that'd be a great place to have psychic warriors trained. In oh, sure. Yeah. So, so the counterpart to Hogwarts, you know. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that, that that's where it's going. It's yeah. The second book is written. The third book, I'll figure out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, good will overcome. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But uh, so that's that's one of the – and that's, you know, talking about where ideas come from. I just – I read the Harry Potter. It's sort of British-oriented. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, America's different. We're more mil- – you know, we're more militant. We are. We are very militant, And yeah. I think it, it, there's a market for that. I mean, sure. kids love Harry Potter for good – and I'm glad yeah. that – the kids are reading because I see kids yeah. don't read. Sure. Yeah. You know, so it's it's great for me to have uh, have that, and then I'm trying to sell to that kind of market. But uh, but yeah, so that's and it's so different too because these are crime novels, definitely yeah. adult. I'm just sexing them and yeah. violence right, and right. murder and yeah. revenge and all that and affairs and and yet then I have the, uh, the young adult, young adult novel. aspect. Yeah, and novel. it is kind of a, like you said a nine day difference. It's a difference between a rated R movie and a PG thirteen exactly. or a PG yep, movie. Exactly. You know, so you definitely got to do things yeah, both, different. Uh, yeah, both Anonymous Man and Lawyers Gone Bad would probably be rated R. They're rated R because yeah, okay. there's some you know there's some violence and such. Sure. Uh, but so my question to you is like. How how different is for you from your writing standpoint when you have to write first person as opposed to third person? Because uh, it, it feels different as a reader when you read it. You're like, because yeah. like I'm interested in seeing you know the perspective you know because you feel like you're in their shoes as a first person. Yeah, like you're experiencing it like uh, like a fly on the wall experience. Like you're there in that person's shoes and you're watching what's I, happening. I don't know. Uh, it just it just felt right when I was writing the Psy Wars, the Escape from the Psy Academy. That would be told from this this Henry uh, character. Henry Greenberg, his name is, mm-hmm. Jewish kid. Uh, but he grabbed me that he had to tell the story from his point of view. Don't ask me why. It just grabbed me that way, and it, I went with it. You know, started writing, the drafting the first couple chapters, which I do longhand in a journal. Oh, wow. And oh, then I, then wow. I, then I uh, put it on a, the computer. Sure. Uh, and it just fit. But the... The other novels, the uh, Anonymous Man and Lawyers Gone Bad, the the third person um, point of view seemed appropriate. And a lot of publishers don't like first person POV; they like the third person, and and they'll frown upon the first person. But I, and, and the other the other thing, not only the kid from um, uh, Bad News Bears, but Holden Caulfield from Catcher in the Rye, mm-hmm. uh. was, I had in the back of my mind as well. Man, he's not as dark. Yeah. Henry's not as dark as that kid. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, and that was told in the first person. So I don't know. For some reason, it just I went with that way, you know. And it, it I guess it worked because they uh, they liked it and they bought it and are gonna apparently publish the second one and and then a third one down the line. Nice. Awesome. Well, we're gonna take a small break, and when we get back, we'll have more with Vincent Scarcella, the author and playwright. Thank you.
This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by... Agia Productions is an Orlando-based film and photo company. They work with a lot of local cosplayers, shooting their pictures against a green screen will allow the team to make the cosplayer into a real-life hero. Agia has done some charity work as well, working alongside Rock Pink for breast cancer awareness. Find them at a convention and you'll be able to rent out one of the talented photographers to take some awesome high-def pictures of you and your family. Not a cosplayer? That's okay, too. Agia can take you and your family and put them anywhere you want to be. Also, Agia Productions does weddings, graduation, quinceaneras, bar mitzvahs, you name it, and you need a photo crew, Agia can do it. Also, don't miss out their newest film short, The Corridor. Find The Corridor on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Corridor Film. Also, go to Agit's website at www.agiatt.com to learn more about them and give them a like on Facebook. And don't forget, forget to, to tell them, them that, that the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by Josh Bauer, a.k.a. JB Designs. If you haven't seen his work, he does amazing stuff. He does comic book art, video game characters, movie art. It's awesome. It's even hanging right now in our Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce Studios. You're definitely going to want to check it out. Head to www.joshbauerartist.com, and that's www.joshbauerartist.com, and you can find them on all the social media outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. And Deuce, there's a special promo code for our Happy Hour listeners. If you'll put in the promo code Deuces on the Loose, and that is spelled D-U-C-E-I-S-O-N-T-H-E-L-O-O-S-E, you'll get 25% off prints, posters, and mini prints. And if you see them on one of the upcoming events, tell them you're a Happy Hour podcast listener to receive something special. And don't forget to see our Boy and our friend Josh Bauer of JB Designs, and don't forget to tell them that the Happy, Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. And we're back with a happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. I'm Johnny. And I'm Deuce. And, of course, we have our amazing author and playwright, Vincent Scarcella. Uh, I had a question for you because there's there's something about holding up a book, like a tangible book, and being able to hold it, to feel it. To s- there's a smell to it. You you folks at home that read know exactly what I'm talking about. There There is a sense of ownership, a worth, um an intrinsic value, if you will, uh, not necessarily monetarily, but something that like y- you feel uh, from within whenever you hold a book in your hands and read it. And, of course, the last decade or even a little bit longer, uh, the rise of the Kindle and iPod or iPads and all that have really kind of changed and gotten books to people that wouldn't necessarily get books or it's a little more accessible to go through the ebook route. I wanted to get your thoughts kind of like on how, how that's affected you yourself when it comes to uh, writing. Well, it hasn't really affected writing, the the writing style or what I, what I write, but I, I agree with you. I enjoy a book, a paper yeah. book. Right. Okay? But and, and there was there was a time when the e-book phenomenon was kind of taken over and it looked like 
there are some predictions that ebooks were going to, you know, be the thing of the future. And I, I know recently I've read some things that it's kind of leveled off, that um, people like me and you are right. into the books. Right. And I like the smell of a book. I, you know, I, yeah. every once in a while I'll snip the book. You know? yeah. yeah. It just feels better. But yet it, I think down the line, I think more and more people as the, the, the generation uh, the younger generation gets used to the, you know, they all have uh, iPhones and mm -hmm. devices and all Tablets, kinds of stuff, yeah. uh, which I'm sort of in tune with a little bit because I have to be. But I think eventually that's going to be the, the the way publishing happens. It doesn't really change the writer's uh, uh, writing style right, right. Uh, because a novel's a novel. It just, it's a difference. Uh, the, the only difference is the way it's distributed. Right. So, uh, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I love a book. I just, you know, I still go to the, I'm a, you know, Polk County library guy, I go to Haines city library and I'll get books out and, yep. uh, and, I, and I've got a Kindle. My kids got, you know, got me a present, gave me a Kindle years ago. I never use it. Sorry, kids. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, my wife just got a Kindle fire and she does sometimes read things on, on that. But, uh, uh, she's more of a book person too. I, th I think it's the older generation thing. It's gonna slowly dissipate, and you might see e-readers being, and you know, it is you know when you go on an airplane or something, it is nice having a Kindle rather than yeah. dragging three or four books with you. Right, you can get thousands of books, yeah. you know, on a, yeah. on a Kindle. Yeah. Another nice thing is 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 the preservation too, because like especially yeah. a lot of times with Amazon, things are in the in the cloud. And so, right. like your your stuff is immortalized almost in a way, if you think about it that well, way. Well, until the, the yeah. uh, until until the Chinese yeah. explode an atomic bomb above you, right? Wipe all the electromagnetics right. out that we're doomed. Yeah, <laughs> but I was thinking almost like you notice now vinyls come back into phase, and that's really right. popular with the kids now. Is a vinyl, and I could see. I still have my first album I ever bought. Do you really? Nineteen sixty-five Beatles. Um, I can't believe Beatles for sale. I think it was called. It's or Beatle sixty five with uh, no reply and things like that, and I wow. bought it for three ninety five wow. at a local store. Like I walked to it, and I begged my father for the money, and <laughs> oh, wow. and I still have it. Well, I know like Brandy, our third member, Johnny's wife, like she's really big into vinyl, and that's made such a big comeback with the kids. And I kind of foresee. And it may not be right away, but like in 10, 15 years where we might be a comeback where the new fad is having the actual hard cover right. or the paperback having book the book, where right. you actually have the book. And we had such – we had a great store in Winterhaven for a long time called Book Traders. And I just yeah. – I loved going in there because I loved the smell. I liked being able to pick up the old books and look Where'd at them. Go? And they had the, just closed. That's the thing that happened, and literally overnight, like in a week, it was gone. Yeah, because I used like, to go. I used to go there like once a month, and yeah. I would bring books in. Yeah, and, and get a little get, get a receipt a that some of them they didn't around. accept. Yeah, and then the next, I went there one day, and it was like, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah, I remember that place. Oh, but I I love that place, and I, like I said, I love just the because it was right books. down the street from the library. It was. It was. It was yeah. right down the street from yeah. the library. That's and where I got all my um, Star Trek books, and yeah. novels, and stuff, and, and Star Wars, Star ones. Wars stuff. I used to get down there and be like, "All right, what do they got here?" And, and yeah. that's kind of, you know, I was able to go through, and my mom would be like, "All right, you can pick like three no, or four. I, I'm so old that I I remember the original Star Trek, watching it every Friday night. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, it was it was I loved it. You know, uh, even though you know James Kirk and you know well, William Shatner, the, the original series to this day holds up. And I'll tell you, it one does. of the things that holds up. 
and you might actually like this because this is his favorite thing in the world. It's a Twilight Zone. And, like, Johnny has seen every episode of the Twilight Zone. And oh, yeah. Those I'm a Twilight also, Zone fanatic yeah. as well. I use that, Mike. I use one of the episodes of my course, by the way. Oh, yeah? The one where the guy – it's for my contracts. The one where the guy uh, agrees or, or enters a contract to not speak for a year. Yep, I remember that one. And uh, I asked the class, is, that, is there fair consideration for that? Because the guy's going to pay him a million bucks to not talk. And it is because – you know, you have a right to talk, so you're giving up a right. You're yeah. giving up something of legal value for something of legal value. He's getting a million bucks or $500,000. Right, which was a lot of money guy, back then. And the guy yeah. is really yeah. broke, yeah. And, he, and he cuts off his uh, vocal cords to be able to satisfy the bets. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it's a great yeah. It's a great episode. It's a really great episode. But, yeah, that, so I'm a Twilight Zone in, uh, in the Star Trek ones. And you know what was good about the old Star Trek? And I'm yeah. getting off course here a little bit. Oh, but the old, the old Star Trek, <laughs> there's some great science fiction writers Oh, involved. They had Theater a, Surgeon amazing wrote writers. that one. Harlan Ellison, yep. uh, David Gerald, they're all involved in some of the episodes. And um, um, so, and Harlan Ellison wrote the one where they go back in time to like the 30s, and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, they Was go it back. The one when they went to back to Chicago. Yes, in 1930s and uh, Chicago? they they uh, he falls in love with a peace activist. Oh and, yes, yeah, yes, yes. And she's gonna yeah. So that was the that was the episode. Uh, that uh, was written by Harlan Ellison, but it was, I guess, a lot darker the way he wrote it and they edited it. They probably yeah. did, but that was the thing. And and the one thing I was telling Johnny the other day, because I, I didn't watch much of the original series, so now I've been going back and kind of re watching, well, I shouldn't say re watching it. I've been watching it for my first time, but it, it all holds up. Like, it all holds up well. I mean, don't get me wrong. Are the effects well, the, the effects are no. But the but who story, cares? yeah, because yeah. you're you're watching it for the stories I and actually, acting. I actually go and watch some of the stuff, and I can't watch um, a lot of the stuff that's out there now because it's all all it is is effects. Yeah, where's the story? Yeah. Where's the? It's not really science fiction, even. It's yeah. just you know, for one thing, there's no sound in space. Okay? Yeah. So the only science fiction movie that really captivated or captured that was 2001. Yeah. Because. It was just there's no sound so in space, so yeah. you had to listen to a, uh, you know, a classical, you know, a, a symphony orchestra playing during, right. the, during some of the sequences. But that's reality. Yeah. There's no sound in space. There's no blow ups like you see in Star Wars. Yeah, you know? but see, and it's funny that you mentioned that because one of my favorite networks, Sci-Fi Network, for a while there, they kind of got off course and it was all like reality programming. But now they've gotten back where they're taking a lot of really great uh, science fiction and fantasy novels like The Magicians and is making it into a show and The Expanse. They just turned that into a show, which for you has got to be great because now they're looking for these different, you know, different pieces of literature, like what can we make the next show out of? Right. Which well, as a writer, that's got to well, be your big thing. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to do is I, I always thought that Lawyers Gone Bad would make a great TV series. Right. And, um, and you know, I've got like three or four novels uh outlined that i can make stories out of and so they could have running seasons but you know it's again i'm a small time guy here in you know davenport florida and trying to i'm not going to fly to hollywood to try to pitch it yeah so there there are some sites that you can put your idea you have to write an actual treatment it's called a television uh drama treatment and uh you know but 
But you're you you're also a playwright. Yes, so I I, I, have, I have dabbled in in plays. I I find that uh, playwriting is more difficult for me than writing novels uh, because it's all dialogue. Uh, but I have a, uh, a one play that I'm very proud of called Hate Crime. It's very topical. It's about race relations, uh, black white race relations in the context of a legal thriller. It's about a mm -hmm. a, bl a, a rising black lawyer. Uh, who's kind of bought into the American dream, who uh, gets assigned to represent a white supremacist who's charged with murdering a black activist. Preacher. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, it was staged uh, last September in, up in Buffalo. Uh, I, I had great directors, guy Phil Davis, uh, and uh, great actors up there, some very prominent actors up in Buffalo, Willie Judson, Bernice Turner, um, uh, Traz Johnson, I'm, I'm going to forget names here and they're going to be mad at me, but just wonderful actors and they, they really took the script and brought it alive. And it's a very dynamic script. I mean, you can imagine a, a white supremacist sees a black lawyer is assigned to represent him, you know, the dynamic there. And um, so, yeah, so that was staged. Uh, it's, it's also right now I've submitted it to the uh, Tampa Theater Festival. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Rory Lawrence uh, up in Tampa who's just a phenomenal uh, actor and playwright himself, and he runs this festival. So hopefully there's a chance if, if it's uh, accepted that right. it'll, it'll be staged in Tampa. Uh, so That's yeah. going to be a great feeling. Like you've got like your, your works. There, there's nothing better. I mean, it's great to have your novel published, but right. there's nothing better to see your ideas and your characterization and dialogue actually staged and to see the words come out the way you envision them and that was that was a great feeling and um there there is a i there's a hope we're gonna reprise hate crime in buffalo in october and i'm hoping that happens uh, but phil is the director um uh, and he's busy with other projects so we're, we'll see what happens but that's I'm awesome it, i'm hoping it happens and the, the other play i had was uh the penitent about the about the uh, Catholic Church uh, uh, scandal, sex scandal, mm. uh, which takes place in a confessional, basically, um, in a, a Catholic Church confessional. I'm, I'm an old Catholic boy, lapsed Catholic. <laughs> and um, so that, that did well in a, uh, a festival in Maryland. It, it en ended up as a finalist. So oh, awesome. both, uh, actually, that play, you can go to my website, uh, and uh, you can actually watch the play. It was videotaped. And uh, and and watch that play. Well, tell our fans listening at home what's your website and how can they find okay, you online. Okay, it's uh, you know uh, www.vincentscarcella.webs w e b s dot com. Okay. Now, how do you spell the last name? Okay, it's uh, Vincent obviously. Uh, s c a r s e l l a dot webs. Dot com. Awesome, and I'm guessing it's got links to where you can get all your books. Yeah, well, if you go there. down there, you'll see on, our, on the home page. You could uh, scroll down, and you'll get the link to the uh, the the penitent, which is the play about the Catholic priest uh, um, uh, situation that was staged in uh, in this Maryland festival. Nice. Awesome, Deuce and I actually have a. Uh, it's called the it's called the watermelon festival. Let's get my mind. From watermelon there. festival. Deuce and I are actually former thespians. Um, that was yep. what our background. We actually used to be uh, theater well, performers. Well, if, if uh, the uh, hate crime, which is the name of the play from uh, about the you know the uh, the white supremacist, uh, I'm going to need a, 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 a white actor to play oh, yeah. Hunter okay. Kleiss is the name of the 
<laughs> so I might be calling on you. Yeah, there yeah. You go. That'd be awesome. I mean, we, 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 that's how you we both, kinda, you either one of you would you make pretty good Hunter Clases. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because Deuce and I, would, what we were in drama back in high school and like we would, I mean, they would literally like, like, all right, this is a section of a play. We're going to have you study it. We're going to have you go in front of the whole school and then see what the school thinks. And uh, for the most part, our class, like, they, they were really receptive to it. And then once you get, you know, approval from that, and then they take you to, like, the this, the, uh, s- the the county finals and then they the state. state and all that stuff. Oh, and, wow. then the, and then uh, uh, I think mo- half of our, our drama class got uh, – sat- uh, was it – Exceptional or whatever it's called, whatever the highest, the highest r- level. Yeah, because I know I did on yeah. on on state. And I think I was my last. The guy player. who yeah. played um, Hunter Kleiss, uh Jeffrey Coyle, uh, and I hope I'm saying his name right, was phenomenal. He was a big guy. He's about six foot four. Oh wow! And he was the white supremacist, and yeah. I and he's a gentle giant. Yeah. And the, you know he he does opera and that's stuff like that. So to play that role for him was tough. Yeah. Because it is a it's a tough. I mean, it's a, it's a, he's a bad guy, you know. He's, yeah. But he was brought up that way. There's like he's his sister's in the play as well, and she explains how he became that way. He was yeah. he was brainwashed basically. But he was phenomenal because he's so big and he was like immersed in the role, and um, he's a phenomenal actor. I mean, I had, I had great actors up there. Uh, the guy uh, there's a Black Panther, uh, um, a member of the Black Panther Party was a c- character. Willie Judson played him. Just oh, it's just phenomenal. I mean, I can't say enough about them, and I hope I didn't forget anybody. But they they were just phenomenal, and I'm hoping that we could reprise because they're they're all interested in doing it again. It's just finding the venue and and all that kind of stuff. Buffalo, by the way, has a great uh, uh, small theater community. Really? Sure. Have, oh, yeah. it's it's a great uh, yeah they they have a lot of small theater and uh, you can every, any night you can go up there and see a great play. It's really yeah. and and maybe it's the close proximity to New York. Yeah, that that's has true. something to do with it. But I I'm a little disappointed down here in not having that outlet. I mean, there's a couple things that you can you can hook yeah, into. Yeah, because but theater Winter Haven, and then there's also I mean, the college has a really good theater program, but that's mostly for the college students. Well, then yeah, the Lake Lake State Lake. has yeah. a good. Right? Paul Carbonell kind yeah. of runs that. He does a good job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have and then good, the Lakeland they have Center is pretty and, nice uh, as well. And and you know we've seen some like Broadway kind of stuff at the Winter Haven Theater. But yeah, really, it's it's far and few between. And that's why this Rory Lawrence in, in Tampa does a great job because he's trying to bring that, you know, and yeah. bring that. Uh, yeah, Tampa has the uh, was it the Shakespeare? The, yeah. yeah, they have that awesome Shakespeare theater down There's there. There's nothing as well. like seeing a great play though. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're just an hour and a half, and you're just riveted, and you're there. And well, they know. would take us like when we went to drama class, they would take us to go see a, like different plays and whatnot, and. We would always go to like the Winter Haven, like that was like our the jam. Like they'd go over there and we'd just be watching, you know, different plays and and seeing other independent schools do because you'd have like competitions and whatnot. So we'd love to go and see kind of how they the because when it, when it, when it comes to plays, it's like there's so much behind the scenes. Well, yeah. Like you have the, not only is it you have the playwright, you have the script, you know, you read and everything, and then you also have the lighting and the you know the stage hands and I mean this is it's just a whole. See, that's what I fell thing, in love yeah. with because I did three different plays actually at Theater Winter Haven. When I was younger, and the thing I fell in love with the most was the behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, I used to almost get in trouble because I'd be in the back and, like, in the shop, like, watching the guys build the props or watching the guys that do the lighting. And I'd just be like, hey, can I follow you around and you just show me what mm-hmm. you're doing? As I, long was, as I, I was amazed away. at how much rehearsal oh, yes. time oh, went yes. in. Oh, I yes. I mean, they, these, these guys just... 
every night for a month. You just hammered out, hammered and out, hammered out, yeah. Yeah, because you, you don't want to – one of the, the cardinal rules, like one of the biggest rules for a theater is there's – there's a there's a moment where there's the the uh, what do you call it the the si- the silence moment where it's like if there's too long b- in between um, um, lines, the audience will detect it immediately. So it's like and obviously sometimes you have the quote unquote dramatic pause for there for for effect, but sometimes like you want to get the script so spot on that like you don't even think about the script, right. like it comes off naturally. Well, the script, from my experience, is short. Yeah, they cut, cut, cut. You want very short statements from all the uh, all the actors because it's that's what keeps it going. Yeah, and it is a beat. There's got to be a, a beat to it, and this this place seemed to work in that in that sense. And but I, it was many many iterations of uh, where it was going. I mean, it, it just developed. And I, I talk about research. I had to, yeah. you know, I was shocked at the uh, the white supremacist community, if I can call it that, yeah. Yeah. out there. There's rock bands. Whole rock bands that are just white supremacists. Oh wow! And yeah. uh, it was really it woke me up to a lot of things. And, and the idea was, I just you know, I had an idea. I would go, yeah, it'd be cool. You have a black lawyer assigned to represent a white supremacist. Okay, where would that take me? You know? Yeah. And I, yeah. And I wrote the first scene out, and it was a very dynamic. You know, these two guys are going at it, and uh, and then it, it developed to a story about race relations, and especially from the 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 black community side as to where they're going. Can can they really ever trust uh, white America right. to give them justice? And that's where the, the play goes. You know, that's where it kind of becomes the center of the play. And um, so we, I had a ball with that, and then I ended up, you know, I sent the play out to numerous places, and this uh, actually a, a Phil is a, a black guy up in Buffalo running a, a theater called the El, El Medea, if I'm saying it right, hopefully. Uh, theater and he loves it and um, and we went with it so and he has great contacts great actors and uh, that's where we're at that's so awesome hopefully we'll, we'll have something down here in, in Florida yeah and, uh, and go from there that's awesome I mean because it to me it sounds like it, you have almost like a different mindset completely like when you start off with a novel and then when you start off with something oh, it's totally different yeah because well, you it's said it's very different I I have trouble writing pl- I mean I really um, I, it takes I more effort. It. I have different ideas, but a, a lot play. of times, an idea, uh, it'll turn out to be a novel or a short story. I have a lot of short stories too, but uh, certain things should be a play, and certain things should be a novel. You know? So, um, yeah. What are, What are the average lengths of your books? The, the average uh, length of your books, like how the length? Yeah. Um, I like to keep them between sixty and seventy thousand words. Yeah. Um, you know. My the the second like this the book two of the Psy Academy mm-hmm. the Psy Wars uh, was seventy four thousand when I submitted mm-hmm. and he came back to me and said you know I've had a couple people look at it and you got to cut this out cut that out got to get it down to like sixty to sixty four thousand words now I've got it down to about sixty thousand yeah because the young adult readers they're gonna you know they want a quick end even sure. though Rowling kind of broke that rule with her you know later. Right. Novels and the Harry yeah, Potter series Hallows. were long, yeah. yeah. But usually they want them short, and even for crime novels, I mean, sixty to seventy—that's that's about it. And uh, you know, you got to get the story, get it going, get it out. You know, and that's. Uh, but yeah, that's that's about it. That's awesome. I mean, I I think it's interesting how everyone has like a different um, background, and then they're able to take their experiences and 
for me, being the flip side, being the opposite as someone that was on stage, you know, being a uh, an actor, if you will, uh, it was always fascinating for me to kind of get into the mindset of of the playwright because it's like they they were having the playwright has a vision in mind of where they want to go with it, and sometimes the actor can take you know their own um, uh, liberties, if you will, uh, to kind of like. Hey, this is. Let's see what we can do here. Push the envelope a little bit, and that's why I think it's fascinating for you as a playwright, because when you see your your uh, your script being on stage, being acted out, like there's like an emotion there that that it's a little bit different than when you're reading a novel, because like you you're visually seeing it act out, and that's got to be an a rewarding experience for yeah, you. Well, I, I don't get the from a novel when a reader buys my book, I don't get the immediate indication as to whether or not they like it or not. I mean, when you're seeing your your play staged, you know, you get the immediate sense of what, what it is. Yeah. You know? So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's more gratifying and maybe that's why it's more difficult, but I find it, I find, you know, playwriting harder. But that's yeah. Why, that's why I don't do it much. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, I, I, for me, I, I really, appreciate like coming in. That's what we do with the, our, our podcast. We like to bring in people that are local, Local artists, local cosplayers, local um, creators, creators, yeah, yeah, content creators, if you will, yeah. people that write films, um, you know, write plays, and and it's interesting to have you come in because it was so cool how like you live across the street where I've been working for nine years, and I I live here, you know, in Aviana, and it happened that we kind of got the meet together and talk, and then we had like a common bond. We were talking. I think we were talking about Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone last time, right? Yep. You're like, hey, you know this stuff. I'm like, yeah. So, uh, you know, because that's the thing is like everyone comes from their own backgrounds, their own walks of life, and everyone has their own experiences. And, you know, the Twilight Zone, you know, I'm in my 30s, and the, the Twilight Zone something that's been around since the 50s, like my, my yeah. dad's era. And, and I, I, I am so passionate about the Twilight Zone that people think I, they're like, well, you, you sound like you're from the 50s because you know so much about it. I'm like, yeah, because like you do, you do a lot of research and you, you, you fall in love with something, it becomes a part of who you are. Well, plus, I think that show was so good. I don't, has it ever been replicated? I mean, even modern, I mean, today, I mean, what's, what's equivalent to it? I don't really know I don't of really anything. Think of anything. I would have found it, I think. Yeah. And that, that's, that's really frustrating for me because I think we were talking about this, yeah, yeah. about the, you know, Star Wars, okay, yeah. you know, I, I like it, I guess. Yeah. You know, I, I like the, the ones in the 70s, but yeah. uh, even the one that was just, uh, you know, it was okay. You know, it was kind of a repeat of the yeah. first one from the 70s. But it's all, like, visual. It's and all effects. effects and, yeah. and where's the story? Yeah. You know, give me the story. And that's what Twilight Zone, he didn't have the benefit of special effects, but he, the stories Very were great. Very small budget. And, and, you know, most of those writers, you know, uh, Charles Ball. Richard Mathis. Uh, they were, you know, they were all good writers, and that's what made it good because they were well written, character driven, and great plots, stories. You don't really see that nowadays. You well, a lot of, and, and also uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, I'd say about forty percent of the Twilight Zone show was done live, like they one take, especially like the first season I think is all live and that was interesting for me because they would have a live musician come in and do live music live orchestrations they'd do their breaks they'd come back 
and you could and there was like a small little pause because you didn't you couldn't tell exactly when they were coming back in and then all of a sudden they would the music would cue them in and it's really fascinating to go back and read because rod serling was a genius i mean i could talk about twilight zone for days the guy you know former world war ii paratrooper the guy like he you know he he, he, he was, was he was too. he was a great writer and he wrote 92 of the 156 episodes you know of course you know charles beaumont and richard mathis he had an awesome richard team mathis. team of writers that came with him and Great uh, short stories. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. And so, like, it's interesting when you find a show that's just so influential. I am Legend. Yeah, yeah. You wrote <laughs> I Am Legend. Yeah. Um, and where the where the uh, zombies are really frightening, unlike uh, what's the CV series, uh, oh, the, Walking the Walking Dead. Dead. The Walking Dead. Where the to me the I stopped watching it because I, the zombies just aren't are kind of wimpy to me. <laughs> so yeah. I guess it depends on you know what you know what you're. Everyone has their pros. They're, yeah. they're, you know, their things they like and whatnot. And uh, I try not to sound too anti-modern. <laughs> no, no, no. no but I agree with you. Oh, like, Dad, my kids tell me, "Oh, Dad, you're just living yeah. in the fifties. You know? Well, no, but we're way overdue <laughs> to have some sort of like Twilight Zone, like revamp or like a new Twilight Zone come out because. Well, there's there's a new movie coming out, uh, uh written by um, it's going to be uh, written by the Bioshock Ken Levine. The Bioshock, really? uh, and he's gonna do a new it's it's allegedly this is like, um, but uh, yeah, so like th- there's they're I guess they're trying to do a movie again because there's a, a movie, movie back a TV show. Oh, is it a TV show? I, I kind of was thinking they were gonna go the oh. TV show route because think about That'd it. Be interesting. If you do a TV show and you sell it to Netflix and you say, look, I'm only doing ten episodes, that'd be the way to go. Yeah, I mean, because with those anth- anthology shows, am I saying them right? Yeah, where yeah. it's like each each episode is completely different. There's not it like is. A yeah, they're separate. Story they're one shots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ten would be perfect. Yeah, that's like what they did with Black Mirror and how well, those are a tough sell though because people like to identify with characters. And yeah, it's that's, true. That's, that's the, the thing. Knowing that yeah. each episode is going to be different. Yeah. I mean, it's a great sell. As in. Hey, it doesn't matter if you missed last week's. Because That's true. You can pick it up anywhere. Horror yeah. is the closest thing to an anthology, but they're by season. Yeah, they're by the season, American yeah. Horror no, Story. They yeah, a, they have a season and right. the next one. Sure, yeah. and you kind of identify with the same characters for ten or twelve episodes. The episodes. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. So and those have been. But really it's all about writing. Like we, yeah. I'm, I'm a Breaking Bad fan. Yeah, fanatic, Breaking Bad is awesome. And I watched yeah. it, went through it, and now my wife. I got her into watching it, so I'm watching it again for like the third time. Sure, but uh, I mean, it's just great writing. It's yeah. just, it's you know, no matter what, if the writing's good, it's gonna be good. And yeah. see, that's the thing. Like it, that show, in my opinion, was key because of the actors and the writing. Because yeah. that story kept you so just on the hook that you just you just kept wanting to see what was gonna happen next. And there wasn't anything best fancy final or ever, huge. I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, Unlike the Sopranos, so yeah. Oh, don't get me started. And, and that was another show I loved. Like, oh, that's I that was still a great I show. I mean, I hate great writing, uh, but, and it just kind of petered but, out. But, but you also have to realize, like, uh, that's with any show, because like the Sopranos was a fantastic show. You hate, yeah. you love or hate the finale, the show was fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Is, but the problem is, there's so much pressure on the finale. Like, yeah. you have so much weight. You know, this is the final. Stick the landing. It's yeah. like if you don't stick the landing, then the whole well, thing. Like Seinfeld, like, yeah. which is yeah, exactly the best show ever yeah and, uh, and they had a bad finale and they still get called on it yeah although larry david then took it to curb the enthusiasm, enthusiasm. Yeah. which is a great which show which is a great show yeah it's really really good 
So, but yeah, that's what's so great. You, you know, the topic of writing is, you know, obviously we have Vincent Scarcella, the uh, you know amazing writer and, and playwright with us in the studio. So obviously you know from your personal experience how crucial writing is. Well, we sit, I mean, I sit there and, story. and well, I'm watching TV series and I'll analyze it. I, you know, you look at it with I, different glasses, so oh to speak. Oh my God, why yeah. did he put, why didn't he have this plot line? And we'll right. come up with a different plot line. Right. And, I think that was the problem with Lost, the show Lost, was yeah. the, the writers oh, didn't he had, know. He had no idea where he was going. No, they said they did. But do, no, do there's we no know way. where he went? I still don't. I don't know. I still don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it a dream? Was yeah, he I don't a know. death dream? And if I it was, that's the worst thing you can do to a, uh, a person watching your show is to do that to him. You know, because it was all a dream. You know. Well, that's yeah. what you <laughs> do. The <laughs> Dallas, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was all a dream. Or in a snow glo- snow globe at uh, the end. Uh, that that that's a throwback. But that was a great. I mean, there was many 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 episodes of Lost that we were right. just like. Afterwards, we're talking about it for hours, you know, right. and can't wait till the next week. And, and, well, then, and it kind of let us down. You mentioned something. You mentioned something, though, about there hasn't J. been J. a... J.J. Abrams. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there hasn't been a, a great following a phenomenon um, uh, like Twilight Zone, and I actually felt like t- Lost was almost that. Yeah. Because that those first two seasons are amazing. Those are phenomenal by the, themselves. That pilot, yeah. it, the pilot to season one yes. is like one of the best pilots I've ever seen in my entire life. I'll go in and... And my wife and I will just turn on that pilot and just watch and be just blown away by the setting, the acting, the writing, the music. See, now you're going to get me to want to – I'll probably go to Netflix. Is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah. We have to watch that one again. Yeah. It's awesome because, like, the, the, the characters you cared about and the island itself was a character. And, like, it was just so fascinating. And, and everyone was watching it. It was, it, it was yeah. at a water cooler at work every day. Everyone was talking oh, yeah. about it at work. It was one of those water cooler meetings you'd have. And, and it was just like – it was everywhere like everyone was watching lost yeah. and that's the thing but but lost is also one of those shows where the obviously the the cost went up the professional effects went up so it cost more money to produce the shows so they had to like take you know uh, creative liberties if you will to kind of like figure out how I, they're going to I think do. the writer lost his way I think, I think he did I think he I never think really had in the middle he I mean, kinda, you, yeah. one of the things that when I do my, you know my writing is I kind of know where it's going to end and the whole process of writing is getting there Right. And making it believable to sure. get there. I don't think J.J. Abrams and whoever was his writing staff was knew the ending. <laughs> I think Damon Lindelof, I think, was know, the they, writer. They had, we had a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Land is a strange island, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, well, what the frig are we going to do with this ending? Yeah. You know, And, and that's why they, we came up with a bad ending. Whereas I think in uh, Vince Gilligan and Breaking Bad, yeah. I think he knew. I think he knew where the ending was, was and worked backwards. Another great right. ending. I got into Mad Men. Oh, Mad Men was phenomenal. A great finale. Finale. Right? Yeah. And uh, I think they knew where it was going when they started. Yeah. Right. And that's a lot of times I I will outline a plot or a short story or I was just doing that today for a, a short story about a hitman, and I kind of said, you know, I, I gotta know where it's going. Right. Yeah. I can't start. So, you know, and to me. When I read, it's great beginnings, but to to me, great endings. When I cry at the ending of something, it's not because maybe yeah. it's sad. It's because it was so, so damn good. good. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, we we go into movie great endings. Um, I'm a Good to Bad to Ugly is my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> believe it or not, Spaghetti Western, Clint, and uh, and uh, and the ending so great. You know, where he's like, 
going up, he's going to shoot the rope off. You know, you don't know if he's going to or not. You know? Right. So great endings are important to, to well, story. They have a lot. An ending in general will have a lasting effect on you, either a good or a bad way. It'll it'll, it'll uh, have something that will stay with that, you. That was the disappointing thing about Sopranos because it was so good, the series. You oh, loved yeah. the characters. You got immersed in the characters. And then they kind of had a... It kind of left you hanging. Like, you didn't know what happened. You didn't know, like, it, did Tony get whacked? Did, yeah. you know, what happened? You had your own, like, conclusion at the end. Or yeah. like, and oh. unfortunately for them, is because they probably wanted to make a movie out of it. Well, see, and that's that was, what I think. That's I think what I thought, Reno too. Died. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now they got nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. I think they wanted to have something else later on. And, you know, after eight seasons, right? Eight seasons, I yeah. think. I mean, yeah. that's a long time to write, no matter. I mean, most shows, that's why a lot of shows don't even go past that. Yeah. That's what's surprising when you see a show go further, you know, than five or six seasons. And I think that was the problem with Lost is it went a season too long, my yeah, personal it, opinion. Yeah. It should have, like, that season three, half of season three was good. And then it kind of got weird with that whole, like, uh, reality A, reality B. The flash the, sideways. The, the, oh, my yeah. gosh. That was so hard. I mean, it was if you as too. a viewer are having a hard time watching it, I mean, the writers must have just been like, oh, whatever. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what to do. So, but anyways... I want to thank you personally, you know, for, you know, coming on the show and meeting with us and having this awesome conversation on just your writings, your experiences, also kind of getting to geek out a little bit about our loves of yeah. movies and stuff. And it's awesome because, like, that's what's so great about, you know, what we're doing is we love just to talk to people and, and, and everyone has their own passions. Well, it's and, been an awesome experience. And, yeah, uh, we want to have you back you on again. Again, when, you know, yeah. it's, it's a chance for me to get the word out on uh, and indie authors that's the big you know i'm on social media i'm on facebook every day i'm on linkedin i'm on uh twitter and yes. trying to you know to hawk my stuff but sure. you know it's it's a tough uh it's a tough road and uh and i and i think i started saying this i mean it's great to write yeah but if no one reads it what the hell is it for right, <laughs> you, know? right. you might as well not do it well so i mean that's i i get really gratified like uh anonymous man has 51 reviews on Amazon, which means at least fifty-one people bought, bought it. it, right? Yeah, and um, and I know more have, and and most of them positive reviews. So that's that's gratifying. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what this is about. I mean, absolutely. I'm here to try to sell my books and hopefully sell myself a little bit. And, sure. And um, and I, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, and one more time, how do people find you on the internet? Okay, well, you can go to Facebook. You can go to. Uh, go, Type in Vince Scarcella to search, and you'll find that's S C A R S E L L A. And we'll have a link in the description of this audio as well, like people can it find all it. And, and, yep. and on my webpage is uh, vincescarcella.webs.com. Awesome. And don't forget to check out this Sunday because you're going to have the sale on yeah, book. Go to go to BookBub and right. type in your email address, and you'll start receiving. And you know, if you don't like my stuff, you know that's fine. Yeah. But you'll get other. Uh, you know, really good authors, not just indie guys like me, yeah. but the big guys you right. know, are, are advertised on there as well. Awesome, so definitely. And, and go I'm, on I'm and... Uh, grateful. I have a shout-out to my publisher for being able to get me on there, uh, Mike uh, Wills uh, from uh, from Canada and Digital. Uh, uh, they're, a great, they're a great crew. Awesome. So definitely, um, if, if one of our if our readers are checking out your books, tell them the happy hour Johnny Deuce sent you. And... Okay. Uh, um, how do people find us on the internet, Deuce? You can find us on the internet 
on Twitter at HH Podcast Show. Also, you can send us your emails to hhpodcastshow at gmail.com. And don't forget to check us out, facebook.com forward slash happy hour podcast show, and give the page a like. And of course, you're listening to us right now on soundcloud.com forward slash happy hour podcast. And, and there's not one, there's not two, but there's, there's three, three hashtags, hashtags yep. you want to put on Twitter, and that's hashtag happy hour podcast, hashtag HH Podcast Show, and hashtag deuces on the loose. Later. See ya.